Hello and welcome to this Market Outlook for 2024 discussion sponsored by PSG Wealth. Now, 2023 was a challenging year for investors from a uh, resilient U.S. economy and a slowly recovering Chinese economy to decade-high interest rates and geopolitical upheavals. As we move into the new year, we believe uh, that 2024 could be just as volatile as 2023. The two key themes for the year are elections and interest rate cuts. But what else, uh, you know, should investors expect this year from a market's perspective? My name is Buliwa Gavaza, writer with the Business Day and Financial Mail, and I'll be your host for what looks to be a really great and engaging conversation. Joining me today is Adrian Pask, who is uh, the Chief Investment Officer at PSG Wealth. Adrian, good to talk to you for the first time in 2024. Hi, Medeo. Yes, indeed it is. Uh, hopefully a, a good year for, for all of us. Um, it's good to be on the podcast. Thank you. No, more certainly. I think where we can begin is, uh, are your current market expectations for this year different uh, from those uh, that you had, uh, you know, for 2023? I think in terms of expectations, um, uh, quite quite similar um, in terms of where we thought the risks are, um, where we think the opportunities are, etc. But I think the, the markets will behave somewhat differently. So there's some similarity in terms of volatility. Last year had some geopolitical events um, introduced volatility into the markets, but I think this year is going to be quite volatile. Um, the market's looking with a microscope at any inflation news, any interest rate news. Predictions are changing on a weekly basis. Um, nobody can even make a, a hint at a certain direction and the market seems to, to react to that. But in terms of the, the, the rates, I think it's going to be uh, usually positive. A broader equity markets should go up. There will be pockets of, of disappointment as well, though. And bonds and property should do really well. Those are the asset classes that historically were neglected and sentiment was just uh, quite poor. And interest rates going up is not positive for, for that. But we've now taken all the pain and, and we're at the top of the interest rate cycle. So actually a very good starting point because from here we'll be looking at cuts. So when we are looking at, uh, you know, the state of the market now, Adrian, uh, there has been a lot that's been going on. Um, you know, 2023, some people thought that uh, it would be the year when we were going to start to see things uh, coming down in terms of rates, in terms of inflation that hasn't really materialized. What factors are influencing, you know, the expectations that you have? Yeah, I, th- I think in terms of the volatility um, and in particular on currencies, uh, that's largely impacted by sentiment and, and change in interest rates. Um, on the sentiment side, elections play an important role. So, so similar to the news that's being uh, watched so carefully in terms of interest rates, inflation, the same thing is happening in terms of the, the various elections around the globe, which is um, quite material. There's been a lot in, in the media being published around the, the sheer volume of the elections and the 20% of the global population will have the opportunity to to vote this year. Um, so with that comes um, a lot of questions um, and a particular attention to any hints at policy change and reforms that could impact the economic prospects of countries and businesses. Um, so, so that's quite important. Um, 
the, the reason why I'm a bit more bullish on, on equity markets in general is, as I mentioned, interest rates just coming down. So we've been through a, a very painful period in 2022 um, and then 2023 was slow other than for what we saw in the tech space. Um, but it's uh, our uh, view that interest rates should be coming down abroad and then locally and um, we'll follow the US down in, in the second quarter of this year and that will be very supportive for the macro ba- uh, backdrop so obviously uh, looser money conditions cheaper credit available very positive for consumers and consumer spending um, and then uh, the pockets of pain um, that we think is going to come still relates to what we saw in in the tech space it's one of those that um, you cannot expect the sector to to continue to become more and more expensive and, and the rating to just continue to go up. We already saw with the results from Google and Microsoft earlier this week that, you know, the, the results aren't bad, but they're just not up to expectation. And then the markets start to react negatively. Um, on that particular day, the markets were down 6%. So uh, in, in the tech space in particular now. So I think we're seeing that view coming through. And then uh, the view on, on bonds and property is 100% based on, on the interest rate cuts. So as we see interest rate cuts um, come down, typically the yields will also start to come down and they will follow interest rates down lower. So the bonds will do well. The longer bonds, even better because they've got more interest rate exposure. And the property sector as well, which would be a huge surprise because the sentiment in that space is really terrible. Um, we can see it in the valuations, but we already saw in December what happened. As the markets start to lower the discount rates for the valuations and the sector actually ending up in December was essentially all the gains for the year and ended um, up as being the the best performing asset class locally. So I think much to the surprise of many. But um, as we see a longer but slower path of, of rate reductions, um, that will be a nice tailwind for, for that space. There is a lot that's going on, uh, you know, Adrian, and uh, whether it's related to the inflation, like you said, a big part of it is going to come down to how people vote um, this year. I saw, you know, quite an interesting statistic the other day to say that there are over 70 elections that are going to be taking place um, in 2024, 15 of which are said to be on the African continent. South Africa is going to the polls and uh, the U.S. is probably the election that many people will be looking at. Huge impacts in terms of markets. So how do you think, how do you see voters in the U.S.? playing out, um, you know, this particular election? How do you see it happening? Like, what do you see playing out? Yeah, I think you're right, especially in the U.S., so, so important. Because remember, with um, the, the the elections in 2016, you know, there were so many predictions made around um, who's going to win the election and what's the impact on markets. And it actually made for such an interesting case study because I think the majority of, of market participants said that, that Trump won't win that election. And if he does, it will be negative for, for markets. And he ended up winning it against expectation and it was actually positive for markets. And he sort of set the tone for very business-friendly environment. We saw it on taxes. We saw it on cutdowns of regulations. We saw a lot of internal focus on the US focusing on itself and, 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 and not being too generous to 
to foreign countries. So a lot of um, the nationalization component of it. So it's always difficult to predict these things. But what we have to work with at this point in time, and it is early days because remember this election is only scheduled for November, but what we do have to work with today is the preliminary polling data. And, and that seems to suggest quite strongly that it will be a Republican victory and Trump will be in the office for an, a, another term. So quite interesting to my mind. It feels quite strange. It's a, it's a sort of a, a political situation where emerging markets are often criticized for the audit um, in the political landscape. But if you look at all the controversy that's been following Trump around, it almost becomes unthinkable that US voters will put him in um, again. And uh, many of many people uh, tend to be quite sensitive around a, a wide range of, of social issues. But for some reason, you know, they, they're not oversensitive to you know, Trump's antics. So it's it's going to be um, really interesting. If that materializes, like I mentioned before, I think expect more of the same of what we saw in 2016, inward focus, less regulation. Uh, the one that does stand out is um, his ability to implement measures to reduce the tax burden. Because remember, that was a key component of uh, his previous term. But if you look at the fiscal situation in the U.S., that has completely changed. Um, there isn't really much scope to provide additional fiscal support. The U.S. government is heavily indebted. The municipalities are heavy in, heavily indebted. So it's going to be really interesting to see what he does with uh, the tax side of things. Um, I, I would think you, you would want to, to work on the taxes again. Um, under the theory that if we grow the pool of taxes, we can afford to reduce the taxes because there will be more taxpayers because the economy will, will be growing. It's quite a big call to make because if you if you're wrong, um, you, you're staring down even a higher debt to GDP level. So that's definitely one that's going to be interesting um, over the next few years uh, should Trump step into office. Yeah, very interesting uh, set of set of circumstances in that particular election. Like you said, the probability that Trump is going to come back has been a lot of people are predicting that that's going to happen, you know, which given the last term, you know, seems a bit counterintuitive. But nonetheless, uh, that's what's happening in that market. How do you think the current interest rate environment will impact uh, different markets, you know, when we then take all of this into account? Yeah, so un under the current outlook, we, we see more favorable conditions and looser monetary policy. That, that will be positive for, for markets, I think. But, you know, uh, we often see investors create very direct and very strong links between economics and and markets and um that's not always the case um it is what we've seen now in the u.s in particular is um the tech space rallying quite hard um pulling up the the uh, the s p uh, 500 but most of the stocks they haven't really performed uh, very well um but uh, if we start to see a, a reversal of that trend, it's going to be interesting. Uh, my prediction would be is that we're funny enough going to see under the looser conditions, those small businesses that struggled actually do quite well. They'll probably um, rewrite upwards of the multiple expansion and then they'll, they'll generate some value for the S&P. But um, I also think that because uh, the market is so positive on, on the tech stocks and they, if they even just uh, have small misses, I think that can drag markets down more broadly. So so that's interesting. Um, we, we remain skeptical, as you can hear, of, of the prospects for for, uh, for growth stocks just because the earning, uh, forward earnings expectations are way too optimistic. Um, and as I mentioned, the, the currencies um, will be will be quite volatile. There's been a few anomalies in that space as well because um, 
traditional economic training, anybody that goes through varsity and uh, studies um, interest rates and currencies, you're typically taught that um, the, the difference between the two inflation levels of a country should give you indication of where you can see which currency will do well or not so well. So, for example, typically South Africa has a higher inflation rate than the US over the long term. Therefore, you should expect the rand to depreciate over time. But what we saw more recently is um, high levels of um, inflation in, in the US and, and at some at some periods even higher than what we saw in South Africa. And yet the, the South African ranges continue to be um, sold often. And it, it it's just a reprioritization of what goes into the models um, in terms of how people look at um the South African rand, we had a, a lot of idiosyncratic things happening in the country between ESCOM and the politics and all the other negative things that um, everybody is aware of. Um, so, so that will be interesting. But generally, I think the, the broader impact on most asset classes will be positive. So as I mentioned before, for bonds and property, it, it's a great move. Um, also keep in mind that we've actually seen a lot of um, assets flow into money market instruments, both locally and abroad, as investors became more and more conservative. And, and that money, if it was to find its way back into markets, will also be a, a good tailwind for, for better performance. Now, we certainly can't uh, ignore, um, you know, the fact that all of these uh, considerations that we're making, as much as we talk about uh, the elections, um, you know, uh, closely tied to that is, um, you know, political considerations of a different nature. That's your geopolitical um, considerations. You know, Russia, Ukraine uh, surprised many of us. Um, you know, when it, when it happened and it also surprised financial markets. Now, you know, there's escalations and, uh, the, um, the tensions, the conflict that's happening in, uh, between Israel and, uh, Palestine is, uh, is a huge thing that a lot of people are, uh, are looking at. So how has uh, the Israel Hamas conflict affected, uh, that, uh, global geopolitical landscape? It seems reasonably contained. Um, therefore, m markets have sort of tentatively just continued doing what they do. Um, but it is one of those um, type of scenarios that can very easily escalate into something else. Um, and it feels like that's the, the normal path for um, these geopolitical tensions between countries. Uh, you know, last time around uh, with Ukraine and Russia, the sensitivity was... Um, when would NATO step in? Obviously, if there's a contravention and NATO is prompted into action, that could um, then uh, essentially prompt a, a far wider um, type of conflict involving more parties, etc. And even at that point in time, there were, were talks around a, a potential World War Three that if this thing isn't handled properly. Um, and again, yeah, it's, it's quite similar. So the, the main fear is not so much um, um, the, the existing players, but um, what happens if Iran gets involved and, and, and what happens then if the U.S. starts to get more involved and, uh, the, the crackdown on Iranian oil exports could have a huge impact, um, on, on oil prices, for example. So, I mean, from what we've seen is, um, we could very, uh, very easily see an almost instant, um, removal of, of a couple of million barrels of oil per day. Um, so in that, you know, it's, as we try to look at it from a lens of, uh, wherever there's risk, there's also opportunity. So um, it's one of those that we need to keep a careful um, eye on um, and and see how that how that one goes. And and also there's there's some 
some contradictions in markets. So on the one hand, um, if growth is slower, which is is the IMF's um, prediction, um, that's that that will put pressure on the world price. But if there's conflict, then that will be um, something that that uh, impacts supply and, and therefore also the prices of oil and the profitability um, of um, oil oil businesses. So. Um, it's just one of those that we need to keep a very careful eye on. I don't think anybody can make a prediction as where either of the two large conflicts will end and, and what the next conflict will be. Um, our approach is always just to say, keep a highly diversified portfolio. Um, that's the best you could do. Invest in the things you like and where you see there's opportunity. Um, don't take excessive views. Um, uh, just in case you're wrong, which happens, um, all the time, um, in, in portfolios. Therefore, um, don't uh, put all your money into uh, into one or two uh, big things like this. Yes. Having looked at the world, we want to turn our focus to the domestic market. South Africa is going to the polls this year. Huge election year, um, you know, for the National Assembly and provincial legislatures. Um, a lot of people wondering, you know, whether the ANC, um, you know, will be able to, you know, win the way that they normally do, um, you know, at the polls. In your view, um, should the African National uh, Congress be worried? I think our, our base case for our outcome in May is um, an ANC-led coalition. Um, and I think the market's sort of preparing itself for, for that type of a, a scenario. Um, but I think uh, more directly to your question, I think the ANC should be worried. Um, maybe not for, for this e- election as much as what they should be worried for, um, the, the ones that the, the subsequent ones, because what we see very clearly is, um, the erosion of, um, their supporter base. So especially amongst younger groups, um, the, there's a large cohort of, um, uh, uh, the older, uh, senior, uh, population that continues to, to vote, uh, for the NC. But um, what's interesting in, in the youth groups is that it seems like either uh, the youth is becoming um, a little bit more despondent, so that they don't participate in, in elections, they don't see the value in politics or, or voting. Um, and, uh, and and the second thing is if they do vote, they, they typically um, vote somewhere else or have uh, different views or other parties that more aligned with what, what they want to achieve or think. Um, so definitely erosion of that visor base. And, and, and as um, the more senior voters and supporters um, uh, pass um, and the younger youth um, start to look elsewhere or, or do nothing from a, a voting perspective, um, there's a lot of headwinds into the space. So I think it is definitely a, a wake-up call uh, for the ANC. We're going to have to see some delivery um and and some positive outcomes uh, to if they wish to uh, protect the support that they have when it comes to the south african government and elections probably a big issue that is on voters minds is um, you know certainty around uh, power generation electricity that's probably one of the things you know you mentioned the fact that uh, the anc should be worried um, you know, whether we're talking about voter apathy, whether it's this election or the next one, um, you know, some of the big considerations is the quality of life and uh, ease of doing business and load shedding is a big part of it. Do you think where we are now, we've seen the worst, you know, of uh, the load shedding, uh, the load shedding crisis? 
Um, yeah, I, I definitely think so. So again, a, a very big positive for South Africans. Uh, w- what we've seen is, is really um, with all the IPPs coming online and also uh, businesses in their own private capacity, um, making sure that they're more self-sufficient um, has reduced the load onto ESCOM to provide, um, which obviously um, frees up capacity for, for others. Um, so it, it, it is a case of we'll see fewer load shedding hours, uh, is, is our view, um, and quite significantly so compared to last year, uh, which was terrible from, from that perspective, um, as we all know. Um, but the other thing is for the businesses that had to shield themselves from uh, from this crisis, um, they had to incur a lot of investment to make sure that they can continue to do business. And, and that obviously has an impact on on spending and therefore also profitability. But once that investment is made and you can continue to do business, um, you see your revenues recover and you see your costs um, decelerate from that high base because you had a once-off investment to um, to get yourself into a position where you can do business. Obviously, they still need to provide for the maintenance of a very expensive infrastructure and it eventually needs to be upgraded and replaced. But immediately after um, an investment like that, that we've seen in the last couple of years, the, the cost load is certainly a, a lot less. Um, so our expectation is um, more volume growth, so more sales um, and less cost. And, and that's going to be very, very positive for, for company earnings. With everything that we've uh, spoken about, Adrian, uh, let's wrap it up by getting your sense um, of where and what the advice is for investors in 2024. We've spoken about elections, interest rates, inflation, uh, geopolitical tensions. What's the advice? Yeah, I I mean, you can tell from the conversation that there's still quite a few risks around. So um, the 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 mainstay advice for for such a scenario is be selective and diversify and you never know exactly what's the next thing that we that will surface i mean what we've spoken about on 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 this podcast is really the known risks and there's unknown risks that still need to surface as well so and and you you as much as what you can plan around the the, the known risks. Um, there's not much that you can do other than diversify yourself to be prepared for, for whatever, um, unknown risks then transpire. Um, but I, I think my advice would be more to say, hang tight. It could be quite volatile, but also be positive. It's a very good year to be positive. Um, if history is to be believed, um, interest rate cuts, um, are very good for equity markets. And at the same time, um, if, if the load shedding is dissipating, then that's a further, further motivation to, to be positive. So I think in summary, hang tight, be positive. So hang tight, be positive. Those are the words of uh, Adrian. It has been a really great discussion just discussing uh, the outlook for 2024. Um, he mentioned a number of, uh, you know, different factors, um, you know, expectations for 2024 versus 2023. Uh, the fact that uh, this is a huge election year around the world and it's going to affect, um, you know, global markets, especially um, some of the action that's likely to come out of, uh, you know, the US election. Also, you know, the G- geopolitical tension. Um, This is something that they are watching. This is something that they keep an eye on. And uh, he says this is one of the reasons why they keep a uh, diversified portfolio going. So that's where we end off uh, for today. You know, that's been it in terms of our Market Outlook for 2024 podcast uh, sponsored by PSG Wealth. Thank you so much. We were in conversation with Adrian Pask, who is uh, the Chief Investment Officer over at uh, PSG Wealth. Adrian, thank you so much for being with us.
with us today. Thank you, Mitty One. Thanks to everybody that's listening. Enjoy it. So that's been it. I've been your host, Mario Gavaza, writer with the Business Day and Financial Mail. Remember that you can subscribe for free episodes on iono.fm, Spotify, Player.fm, Pocket Cast, or wherever you choose to get your podcasts.